Welcome to the Data Rockstars Coffee Pod with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Lally. Today we're going to talk about the updated uh, NHS Drag and Trace app. As you know, we've talked about it in the past, so um, we're going to delve a little bit more deeper into that and then some stories around Track and Trace that have hit the press recently. So, Regina, you've downloaded the, the new app, so tell us what you think. I did. I took some time yesterday to have a read through the privacy policy to see what it incorporated. Just I felt that it'd be good to understand it, obviously, to understand what they were doing with my data. We'd had the conversation before about the way in which the government was looking to develop its own app outside of the Apple Google model and had some, we discussed the concerns we had there about the amount of information that would be stored centrally and what you would be able to do. And actually, when you look at what the new NHS Track and Trace app that was released yesterday does it very much has been based on and uses the Apple and Google technology where the information is matched and stored purely on the user's device so and then is pretty much anonymized for the most of the information that gets shared centrally I think there's a very brief period of time where they have in one location information about a positive test and the codes that link to your phone so that they can then be pushed out to other phones that have been in in contact with your phone and notify those users of a fact that they've been in contact with a person who's tested positive. But that is held for, I think they said, between 24 to 48 hours, and then it's deleted. So in so far as it can be, I think it is anonymous. They can't track where you've been. They can't look at your habits. You can use it to check into venues that have the NHS and QR code, uh, which I actually did yesterday where we're linking to last week we go to the the running club there's a, a little social area they already had the code up and it was very easy and it just seems it like it's got good measures in place for me I felt comfortable enough that there was going to be no risk of my data being used to track where I was going or who I was with it was all being done through codes that are related to my phone but they don't have any more information about me as an individual so they can build up a profile or picture of what I'm doing and where I'm going and who I'm with so you've got the options to pause the tracing if you want to if you want to turn it off for any particular reason so it's very much in control of you as the user with that app and I think it's it's a good way of just trying to help reduce the risk and if I've got the potential that I've been exposed I'd like to know so but I feel it's being done in a way that is is considerate of individuals privacy which I don't necessarily think the previous one was. No I think it's fair to say we are critical of the 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 previous app which is why neither of us downloaded it near our technology. Following on from our chat I downloaded the app I also read the privacy policy and for me what I liked I only asked for a partial postcode, which yeah. reassured me a lot about, you know, because obviously if you have the full postcode, it, it reduces the uh, area in which you can be identified. And I like the fact that it told me the uh, the current risk of the area. So I'm in a medium risk area. But with, with... did you look at the definitions of risk? No, I didn't. So I didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, when it was quite interesting. When you look through to the definitions of risk in England, you have either high or medium. There's no low. What? So Why would yeah. there be no low? I imagine because probably they think that if they put low, people go, hey, it's fine. We don't need to worry. So, yeah, in England, it's either high or medium. And in Wales, there is high, medium and low. So, yeah, every area that isn't high risk is medium. So I'm not surprised you're in a medium risk area because I think Oxfordshire is actually not doing too badly in terms of its What, it, what does that actually tell me? It tells you not in a high risk area. Yeah, but 
Okay. <laughs> That's frustrating because from a data perspective, you can't just be high or medium. There has to be an element of low risk. And I, there will be true. There will be areas of low risk. And that should be something that we understand not to encourage people to go out and misbehave or abuse the fact that they're in a low area. But you, you can't not have low I know, and I love the fact that this is a genuine reaction because you did not know this before. I don't know <laughs> this. <more> Kelly. <laughs> this is why I get vexed about data and it done good and bad. And this to me is just, it's just wrong. You don't, it's not, it's, it's like you wouldn't have a scale of, you know, likely and unlikely and have no neutral ground because you have to have the option of neutral. Yes. So well, as a whole... Uh, experience that our listeners have probably never got before so hey yes i i am slightly vexed by this yeah it didn't seem to make much sense to me and the fact that wales does have a low area but yeah it's i think that's the importance of then understanding what it's showing you so that you can understand what the ranges are and always ask those questions of data and and look to definitions because it makes it clearer as to well, now I'm read all that. <laughs> I, I may have to share these comments on the app's rating excellent so i think the key thing is is that we've looked at it we're happy with the the privacy element of it it is making uh, automated decision making in terms of whether or not to notify you uh, or not but it's being the data is anonymous and you'll only get notified obviously if you're uh, coming to contact with someone has tested uh, positive so yeah and i think um one of the things that was interesting yesterday was that Matt Hancock was on the BBC Breakfast saying that people would have the choice as to whether or not they self-isolated if the app told them to. I think some people misinterpreted that as saying, you know, well, it's mandatory if, if track and trace contact you. Why is it not mandatory if the app tells you to? And I think what he was trying to get across to slightly defend him is the fact that nobody else will know if the app tells you there's no way of them knowing that the app has told you as an individual that you need to self-isolate so it then comes down to your conscience as to whether or not you follow that advice or follow up the guidance to contact Um, track and trace whereas obviously if track and trace a human being contacts you to tell you you should self-isolate they will have a record of who you are the fact you've been told that and then you know i don't know how many how much checks they're doing so i think that was the distinction he was trying to make that the app can't tell that it's you it's you know there's nothing that's going to come and enforce that notification behind it it's very much down to the individual obviously the the right thing to do would be to self-isolate because if you've been told there's potential you've got symptoms then that would be what you'd want to do and i think it's fair to say and this is my personal opinion that this is the entire problem that we've had during covid is the miscommunication or the the misunderstanding because the information that we are being given is not clear and and easy to understand and if it was we wouldn't have to have these constant clarification all the time let's let me not get on that little hobby horse either considering i've possibly scared people about high medium and low however it, it does raise an interesting point about the human element of track and trace because the story that we read i think it was a week and a half ago two weeks ago I think demonstrates very clearly the impact that human error has on this type of data. So Public Health Wales published or an individual published 18,000 individuals details on their website with their names. It had the rough area in terms of their location. It had their sex and it was just uploaded. It was available for 20 odd hours and it took the public health wells some more time to determine whether or not they need to notify the information commissioner 
Now, what I found interesting about this was they said it was a low risk to individuals in terms of the level of distress it could cause. However, if some of those individuals were in a care home, obviously, you've now grouped a whole cohort of people together. So there's a potentially slightly higher risk of identifying that person because their care home could be an entire full postcode segment. And you know, well, you know, five people happen to be in that location. But it was human error uploaded it and this is no different to the human error that happened with the new year's honors list just after christmas so i think for me it's yes it's a track and trace story but it is this app should prevent that type of breach from happening because actually whilst data will be collected nationally i think we just need to be mindful that human error can cause distress and it has happened and it's happened a lot with a track and trace uh, and i think people lose faith in that was it the source was it track and trace because I, I i understood it was um their test result that went up there so is that information it was, yeah, being used it was, by track and trace team it was they talked about as being the track and trace for public health wells and and the, like you said it is the test data so yes you are correct i should have been clearer on that and stuff so you you know that these are people that have tested positive yeah it but it's still that it's an excel spreadsheet that's been uploaded to the web you know there's been no check in place probably because they're highly rushed and stuff so i think you know where you are responsible for this type of information you have a responsibility to double check before you send something whether it be email or upload and often it can just be a simple case of ticking the right box or making sure the permissions are set correctly. And sometimes yeah. it can be assumed that that's done automatically and that you don't need to check it. And I think I would urge whenever you're doing uploads to websites or sending information via email that is sensitive, that you certainly have yeah. double and triple checks in place that the right information is attached and it's going to the right individual at the right address. Because yeah. the one of the biggest areas of breach and, and concern for organizations you know the ones that we're working with they often email is the biggest concern for them absolutely and i think just can kind of continuing on that kind of human element obviously restaurants and bars are now going to have the qr code outside which is really great so people that have got the mobile phone can check themselves in there's no need to fill out a book anymore Unless, of course, uh, you don't have a mobile phone, you have to still check in to these locations and stuff. Now, there have been a number of stories where staff within hospitality have misused access to that information. So, you know, they found they I'd seen someone really attractive. They've seen their entry uh, in the book, clipboard listing or even on the, the, the system. And then they have followed that person up after they've been at the, the hospitality venue and started sending them text messages. There was a lady in Windsor that went on a bus tour and the bus driver followed her up and sent her quite a few uh, messages. There was, a, I think there was a model uh, that was reported in the Daily Mail saying that a barman had contacted her. He said he found her very attractive, felt that it was appropriate for him to use the information to contact her. And he actually mentioned, didn't he? He said, oh, I totally didn't use the track and trace information to, to follow you up. And I think that shows a distinct, A, there's a little bit of awareness there that you shouldn't, but that he's thought that it's okay to go ahead and do it anyway. And... I think, you know, the ICO are absolutely clear that data is not for any other purposes than yeah. contacting people in the case of a positive COVID case that needs to be followed up. Yeah. And I think it's imperative that hospitality venues, A, consider how they're collecting that information 
to limit who has access to it both staff and externally so I've been to a couple of places and I won't name them but I have been to a couple of places where there's been a book that's just a list of names and mobile numbers if I wanted to or if I recognised a name I could easily have then gone oh just note that down there's been places where they've had little slips of paper sitting in a basket and you're like, how is that? You're not going to notice if one's gone. They could just get blown by the wind. It's I don't I don't think people realise what it is that they're handling yeah. because they're used to doing it. And I think you really have to stop and think. This is personal data. This is people's contact information. And you might think it's just a telephone number, but actually, it can lead to people being pursued in ways they don't want to be pursued. Yeah. I think potentially, if in the worst case scenario, you could end up with stalking situation yeah. where somebody has seen somebody in a pub another individual and thought you know i want to try and you know get in touch with them or make a connection you know it's stalking cases have been on the rise in recent years mm-hmm. i think this adds an extra level of risk because if the data is readily available then suddenly there's a lot of information there yeah depending on what's been collected if you've just collected a phone number it's remote hassling and harassment if you've got address details there and you know where they live and then they can be turning up accidentally and you know that would be terrifying for somebody and genuine impact on that individual is going to be significant and if it comes down to the fact that there's a hospitality venue that has released or not protected that data and made it available to somebody who's unused it in that way they will be looked at as a responsible party for not protecting that data correctly. Absolutely, because the, there's very clear evidence of emotional distress and potential physical harm are key factors about, as to whether or not to notify. So I would say if there is anybody listening and they have been subjected to this or they know of anybody that, that has been, absolutely notify the venue to let them have an opportunity to address it. But you can also complain to the ICO about this because your data has been put Uh, uh, has been misused and i think for venues i think it's important to remind staff why this data is being collected and you know if you think somebody in the bar is attractive speak to them and ask for their number directly what a radical 2020 suggestion would you (laughs) am i showing my age now (laughs) like 90s dating (laughs) i think that's a beautiful place to stop this podcast And uh, uh, if there was any questions that anybody has, please email us at coffee at dbxuk.com. Uh, we'll be back next week for some more uh, lighthearted conversation um, about data protection. So thanks for your company, Regina.